Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast with your host, Eve Mayer. Join Eve and her guests each week as they discuss how to live a healthier, longer, and more fulfilling life through fasting, keto, and low-carb feasting. Hello and welcome to Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. I'm Eve Mayer and each week we'll be here to educate you challenge you, encourage you as you continue your journey into intermittent fasting and low-carb eating. You can check us out at FastingLane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at FastingLane. Today, it's pretty cool. Even though I can't pronounce her sexy, sexy name, I have a fabulous guest and I am joined by Dr. Evelyn Bourdois Roy, who will say that correctly for you. Evelyn, please pronounce your name for everyone. And thank you so much for talking with me today. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I think you did pretty well with my last name, but uh, just for the fun of it, my, the real pronunciation is Evelyn Bourdois Roy. See, see how much better that is. So as a typical American, I speak only English, which is very shameful, but I will tell you that I made sure my daughter is bilingual and she speaks beautiful, beautiful French. So she and you will have to have a chat sometimes because I won't know what you're saying, but it'll sound amazing. So Dr. Evelyn is a family medicine doctor in Quebec. She has a special interest in reversing chronic health problems related to lifestyles, um, type two diabetes, obesity and she uses therapeutic nutrition like low carbohydrate diets, ketogenic diet, intermittent and prolonged fasting. Um, she also talks about other lifestyle measures. And as you all know, I'm huge fans of Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And she has trained with both of them at IDM, that is Intensive Dietary Management Program, IDM program.com. And she has co-authored the book, which I haven't gotten to read yet. And I want to hear about eat fat to lose weight. So Dr. Evelyn, thank you so much. And will you start by telling us, uh, first of all, I'll tell you this, I'm a fan. I've watched some videos. I've watched you on diet doctor. I saw that you got to cook unsweetish meatballs with Christy, (laughs) who is my favorite keto cook. And I was super freaking out about that. I want to hear about that, but tell us first, like, how did you get here? Tell us about your journey through traditional medicine, how you landed on low-carb intermittent fasting as part of a treatment of chronic health issues. Um, actually, um, medicine is my second career. I used to be a uh, translator, English, French, and Spanish, and I was working in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, um, I did an undergrad to get to that point, and I was earning a lot of money and doing really well, and I hated my life because I felt I was not making any difference whatsoever. And so um, I didn't know what to do with myself, so I went and backpacked around the world by myself for a year and a half. And then when I came back, it just eventually it just hit me that I needed to become a doctor and that it would be the most significant way to make a difference in uh, uh, on this planet so it sounds cheesy i know but still you know i was young that does not sound cheesy that sounds incredible number one i don't know how old you are but you look incredibly young to have already had these uh be on your second career and have backpacked around the world i'm super jealous of that and i totally want to do that um I I find it really interesting. I've talked to my daughter a lot about, you know, the value of being able to speak multiple languages and that it can be a really good career and something to look at. Um, And and so it's interesting that you saw that 
And then you said, look, I'm not fulfilled. I want to change the world and this is not cutting it. Money, I like money. Don't get me wrong. It's not the answer to everything. And sometimes you just look up and you're like, this sucks. This is not the life I want. But the thing that I find interesting about you is most people, especially when they're in a position where they have a comfortable life and they have material things, have a hard time leaving that life, have a hard time giving it up because of the risk. What gave you the guts to, to first of all, backpack around the world for a year and a half and then to go back to school and become a doctor? Because that's a long process. What, what gave you the guts to do that? I felt the risk of the status quo was way worse. The risk of being unhappy for the rest of my life was way worse than any of the risk that I was taking in backpacking in Africa by myself or whatever. And going back to med school, it took me nine years to get through med school. Like all my late 20s and all my 30s, all my youth went into going to med school. And, um, and it was a long process, but I felt it was worth it. But um, when I graduated, and then I, I graduated in 2015, started working as a family doctor, realized that I spent most of my time prescribing pills mm-hmm. to people who were not getting any better, then I was like, I am still not making any difference because all I do is push pills on people and they're, they're not better. So what is the point of all of this? And um, I was starting to think it, you know, I just wasted my youth and the past nine years to become someone who is not like, I had this idea of what doctors would do and save lives and help people and make a difference. And, and it wasn't that at all. And then I was pregnant at the time with my second child. And so I went on maternity leave uh, shortly after beginning my career as a doctor. And during my maternity leave, which was really uh, difficult because my son is not a good sleeper. So I would breastfeed him. I was breastfeeding him every two hours, night Mm. and days and night and days. So like no sleep which is, um, you know, sleep is important for health yes. <laughs> and mental health. You're a little crazy. Uh, yes, yes. <clears throat> um, and I was uh, really exhausted, gaining weight. You know how when you, after you give birth, you're supposed to like, you know, slowly, you know, breastfeed and waste, um, lose weight. Sure. And I wasn't. I was gaining weight and gaining weight. And the more tired I was, the more food I ate. And obviously it was like junk food, carb food you know, granola bars and toast and cereal and all that and sweet stuff to try to, you know, give me some energy. I had no idea about diets or whatever. I had been relatively healthy all my life. So, and, and I certainly did not learn anything about diet or lifestyle in med school. Mm-hmm. And then some doctors, um, friend, colleagues of mine on Facebook um, told me about low carb, high fat. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And they said, read the obesity code. And this is what I did. I wasn't sleeping at all. I was breastfeeding all the time. So, you know, I'm a woman. I could do multiple things at once. I was yes. breastfeeding and with one boob and reading with my other hand and, and yes. reading the obesity code. And that changed my life. When was that? When was it that you read the obesity code and started this new life? May 2016. 2016. Okay. Yes. So... So you go back, you spend all this time becoming a doctor, and then you realize, hey, they don't, they don't teach much about nutrition in medical school. And then you're in a position where you, you spend all this time. I mean, were you pissed off? Were you like, I spent all this time, and all I do is give people 
medications and they still feel like crap. Like, is that what was going through your head? It was hugely disappointing. Like, and I was like, what am I going to do now? So when I read the obesity code, I was like, oh my God, this all makes sense. It was a huge light bulb moment for me. Right. And then I thought, okay, but you know, sometimes how things are good on paper, but in real life, they don't translate into anything practical and doable. Yeah. So I decided to give it a try. I'm like, what have I got to lose? You know, I, I could eat high fat and, and maybe lose weight. And my, my main goal was for myself at that point, I just wanted to lose some baby weight yes. and, and not be obliged to only wear my maternity clothes. Cause at that point, that's all that could fit on me. And you know what happens when you're like, I don't know, I was 185, 190 pounds at the time. I'm, I'm five, seven. Well, after 190, you get 191, 92. Next thing you know, you're 200. Next thing you know, you're spiral out of control. You're 250, whatever. Like I could see it happening in my life. And I was, I felt like I had no control over what was going on in my body. And so I tried it. I downloaded some menus. I didn't know Diet Doctor at the time, so I downloaded something from the internet and I gave it a try for two weeks. And right away, like it changed my life. Right away, I wasn't sleeping anymore, any more than I was before. I wasn't exercising at all. Like I went jogging once and like my <laughs> pelvic floor told me no, no, no. So <laughs> a good time. So um, I, the only thing I changed in my life was food. That's, that's all I changed. And um, I started feeling better, having more energy. I started like, um, just my, my mood was better too. And I slowly started losing weight too. So I thought, okay, doctors recommended this to me. I read the obesity code and it all made sense to me. And I'm, I was even angry that I didn't learn that in school. And then I tried and it works for me. So I'm like, it could work for my patients. I could make a difference with this. So I wrote to Megan and, and Jason Fong and I said, please train me to do this medicine. I need to learn to do this because this, this will make a difference. And they, 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 they said, okay, come on over. So in October, I went to uh, spend a whole week with um, Jason Fong and Megan Ramos and I learned so, so much. I came back to Quebec and I was a complete completely different doctor. And I would never practice medicine the same way ever again after seeing what I saw and being taught what it taught me. And that's in, that was in 2016. Yes. So, okay. So here we are late 2019. I, when I read the book, had the same experience of anger. Um, first of all, I was like, this book is full of crap. The obesity code, like this, I, I know everything about weight loss. Like surely I've been fat for 24 years. Who has more experience than I do? I've done diets the entire time and failed. I've had three bariatric surgeries. I've been to binge eating rehab. I've been to therapy. I've been hypnotized. I've had every trainer. I've spent every amount of money. I've tried everything. There's no way the answer is don't eat. Like there's no way that's the answer. And I was so angry when it worked. I immediately did my first 36 hour fast. Then I did a 10 day fast, which was really stupid. Like for me to just start off like that. My husband said like one day I went out for a walk with this fast doing the 36 hour. And then I ran a marathon with a 10 day and like made my daughter and husband's life. Holy hell. Um, because it worked fine, but I was just so pissed off. Like why hadn't a doctor told me this because I expected 
I have a misconception. I had a misconception that doctors were very educated and had a lot of education on nutrition and preventative medicine. And as you were talking about, doctors are trained to just try and stop the avalanche of illness that people are experiencing. And it's got to be a job that just beats you down every day. And I can't imagine what you went through when you go and you want to help people, but all you're doing is trying to stop them from dying or trying to stop them from having pain. Like that's, that's not a positive situation or, or, or life to be in. And I'm so glad that you found a new way. So you find this new way you, and I got to visit Megan and Jason in Toronto as well. And it changed my life. And, um, you find this way with, with the obesity code and fasting and low carb, you go back to the patients and you start trying this new stuff. What was the reaction from the patients? First of all, it was <clears throat> most patients were in disbelief, like what you get to, you must eat carbs, you know, your brain needs it. And then fat, everybody knows, you know, you, you're going to gain fat and your heart is going to explode with cholesterol and all that. And fasting, well, fasting, everybody, you know, who's like, eating a lot of carbs, like the Canadian food guide or whatever, the standard uh, American diet, they cannot fast easily because they're hungry after every two or three hours. So it's like a nonsense to just skip a, a, skip a snack or skip uh -huh. a meal, complete nonsense. But a lot of people were curious too. And um, I suppose because I'm a doctor, like some people said, hmm, well, if the doctor says, you know, maybe there's some truth in that. And some of them obviously thought I was crazy. And many of my colleagues thought I was crazy as well, or still do. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the response? Okay. So the, the patients, you start telling them some, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Some are like, this is a little crazy. What about your colleagues? What about other doctors when you started doing this? What was their response? It was not all positive. Let me tell you. <laughs> In my own clinic, um, some doctors didn't care. Some doctors were kind of curious and waiting to see what would happen if you know we would get some results or whatever. And some were quite nasty and went like online and wrote mean stuff on Facebook, on you know about me that I was doing unethical stuff and that I was incompetent and whatever. So I got you know, and um, I got a lot of. Uh, not really nice emails too from a lot of healthcare professionals in my province when I first started doing this. And it was, it was difficult, honestly. And I felt quite isolated at the time. Like I felt I was, me and Dr. Halalalu, I felt we were the only ones in the whole province doing this kind of medicine, getting amazing results, but taking, you know, getting a lot of heat from a lot of people. And, and the thing that amazed me the most is the people who would take their time to write me long, nasty emails. Like, don't you have something better to do with your life than just yeah. attack me for bringing something different to, you know, um, anyway. So it, 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 it's terrifying to hear that. Um, I, I've had the same primary care physician for decades and, and he's really smart and he, does not push this lifestyle and never brought this forward to me. Um, but when I brought it to him, he was open yeah. and doctors are not gods. They're incredible people who are trying to make others healthier and live longer. And they're, I think most people, there's good people and bad people in the world. I believe that most people are trying to do that the best that they can. Yeah. And I think all we can hope for with a doctor is to 
remain open to new discoveries beyond just medication, um, beyond just surgery. And so I just want to encourage people who are listening who feel that they have a doctor who has not brought this up or they have a doctor that, you know, has already gone down one course for many, many years and you're not getting the solution. Listen, doctors are fallible. They are imperfect humans, just like we all are. And if you have worked with a doctor who hasn't suggested something you're interested in, my suggestion is bring that to them and ask their opinion. They may agree with it. They may disagree with it. Um, and sometimes like anything else in life, if you have continued on for a period of time that you feel is, is too long, in my case, decades, um, there are times to look for different opinions. There are times to do your own research and find new doctors. I'm not saying if your doctor doesn't agree with everything you say to run out and do something else. I'm saying to, to do your own research, just like when you look for a therapist or a trainer, and sometimes the person you end up with is not the person you are meant to be with. It's the same situation with doctors. So we have to question everything. We have to be our own advocates. Only we know what it's like to live inside our body. And when Dr. Evelyn is talking here about it's unreasonable a lot of times to ask people who are addicted to carbohydrates and sugar too fast. Let me tell you from a person who was addicted to those things for her entire life, I was hungry every moment of every day. And even if I had a large meal, at the end of that large meal, I would feel satisfied sometimes 10 to 15 minutes till I had the messages in my head telling me to eat, 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 eat. And it was agony. And I had three bariatric surgeries to try and find a way to stop that hunger. I took medications and went to therapy because I thought my brain was broken to try and stop that hunger. And what I understand now the situation for me in particular was, doesn't mean it's everyone's situation, but for me, sugar and carbohydrates and eating frequently spiked my insulin and I had messages in my body and my brain that told me I needed to eat all the time. When I switched to low carb for not many weeks, when I switched to low carb and I began to eat less frequently, for the first time in my life, I got hungry four times in a day, which was heaven. Like I couldn't believe that people only got hungry four times in a day. And then I thought, if I could just be hungry four times in a day, I could actually control when I ate and this would not be insurmountable. So if you are a person who is in that struggle where you're like, I'm broken and I know that something's just wrong with my body, something's wrong with my brain, maybe you're right, but accept the possibility that maybe you're not broken. Maybe there are foods and the way you're eating that is causing you to feel this way. And I just want you to look at those possibilities. Some of the things that Dr. Evelyn and I are talking about are pretty revolutionary because the fact is they don't cost any money, right? Like they don't cost money. If there's no money um, to be spent on fasting. There's no special product. There's no any of that. And um, I think sometimes people are scared and, and, and see a lot of uh, interesting things about this. So um, it sounds like Dr. Evelyn when patients push back with, with low carb and fasting recommendations that you give to them, like, how do you overcome that? How do you tell them that they could do this? Because I don't know if I could have heard that message when I was in the, in the throes of hunger all the time. I don't know if I would have believed it. Um, how, how do you overcome those doubts? You know, I, I don't see my job as a job of convincing. I think I need to 
offer the information, offer all therapeutic options, and yeah. is part of them, but it's not the only one. You can get pills, you can do nothing, you can get surgery, you can do a different types of diet, you can do fasting, there are lots of options. My job is to offer the options, explain what they are, and support the patients with their choices, if they make choices. But what I do see is that sometimes people are not ready to contemplate the possibility that, hey, you know, the solutions will not come in the form of a pill. It will come in the form of lifestyle habits. If they're not ready to hear it, it doesn't matter to me. I still plant the seeds. I still offer it, explain it, and I tell them I'm available. If they change their mind, if they want to discuss it further, they can book an, an hour-long appointment with me anytime, and we can spend the whole time just talking about food, nutrition, lifestyle, sleep, stress, and all that. But I don't, I don't think it's, um, I think it would be very frustrating for me if I had in my mind that I needed to convince my patients because not everyone is at the right, the same place, the same uh, level of readiness. And that is okay. You know, people have to think about it. They have to find the real uh, reason within them and they have to be ready to do this because, you know, it's like eating and not eating. Um, I cannot decide for them to do that. They need to be so convinced themselves that they will do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that may take sometimes for them to get ready. And some of them just jump right on board right away. And they're so glad that they were offered the option, you know? So I think all doctors, all healthcare professionals, our job is to offer the options, explain them properly and support patients in their decisions. I love that. That's an incredible theory that you're offering options and not having it all figured out. And I think that's all any of us can really hope for. Um, I came across Dr. Evelyn because we are both going to be speaking in Mallorca, in Spain with Low Carb Universe uh, in November. So if you are looking for a fantastic, really comprehensive low carb event, event about fasting, talking about health, talking about changing your lifestyle, I hope that you will join us in Mallorca in Spain this November 2019. Um, and, and I'm excited to get to meet you in person. And we may have to do a few videos together because you're so smart and so cute. Um, I think we totally need to do that. Don't you think? Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I'll just put you on the spot now. So um, back to your patients. So when you're doing this and you're, you're helping them discover the options of, of what they should do for their next step in health, what kind of lab tests are you suggesting for them to gather more information? Well, I, um, I like to do a whole metabolic panel to know where they stand. And I do it with all my patients anyway. You know, the ones that are like, no, no, just give me pills or no, I'm not interested in changing my lifestyle. I kind of do the same tests so that I can teach them where they are right now and what is wrong with where they are right now, if there's something wrong. Like I always check um, hemoglobin A1C, for instance. And as soon as it starts to rise a little pre-diabetic, that's an opening for me to teach them here's what's going on, insulin, insulin resistance and all that and, and sh rising sugar levels. Here's what's going to happen to you in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. So I, I explain um, to all of my patients, I explain what their lab work actually means for now and for the future. The obviously lipid panels, insulin. I check insulin on all of my patients now and I'm really surprised because I was never, never taught in school that you could check insulin levels and what it meant actually and what the, the real normal values are 
and uh, Jason Fung and Megan taught me that. So now I use, I use it with my patients and I teach them, you know, if you're hyperinsulinemic right now and you're 25, here's what's going to happen to you and you don't change anything. So that's, that's what I do. I check the liver. Most of my metabolic patients, I get an ultrasound of their liver, even though it's not in the guidelines. And some, some people tell me, some doctors or healthcare professionals tell me I cost money to the system, you know, because in Quebec, healthcare is um, by the government, right? So I get an ultrasound for every single one of my patients to check fatty liver. And what do you know? Like in my patient population, 19 out of 20 have a fatty liver disease already and they don't know about it. So, and I find this pretty powerful because when they see the report that says that they have fatty liver, um, they're more motivated to change than if I tell them, oh, a certain um, enzyme in your blood is a little high or something. You know, people conceive what is fatty liver and they don't want that. So liver is really important. Sugar is important. Insulin is important. Lipid panel is important. And I check a few things like um, thyroid, just to make sure there's nothing wrong with thyroid that would prevent weight loss or, you know, uh, explain fatigue and all that. Ferritin levels, GGT, a few, a few other markers of uh, metabolic disease, basically. But it turns out to be like just simple stuff that family doctors order all the time. But what's different is that I I explain every single value and result and what it actually means in the context of metabolic syndrome or um, overweight or prediabetes or diabetes or high blood pressure or whatever to my patients so that they can actually understand it and they look forward to the next um, set of tests because I do them, my metabolic patients, I tell that I test them every three months mm. so that they see progress. And that they're encouraged that the changes they're making are actually doing something, you know, they're getting results because not everyone loses weight quickly. But if you don't lose weight quickly, but everything gets better into your blood work, your liver gets better and you feel better, you know, then maybe you accept a bit more that you're not losing as uh, weight as fast as the next person, you know? Got so it. I think if, if you're, if as a doctor or a healthcare professional, if you're helping patients to change their lifestyle, you need to coach them. You need to accompany them. You need to be them, to be with them along the way and not just like see them every six months or once a year. You need to actually coach them on a regular basis until they've like turned it around and, 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 and they're good to go after that by themselves, you know, and don't need to see me on on a super regular basis. I, I, I think the current model of medicine is to see patients every six months, once a year, whatever, check the pills, check the blood work, and then off they go, you know? And, and I don't think that's right. I think we have an epidemic of metabolic syndrome, obesity, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, gout, and all that. All of that are chronic diseases related to lifestyle, and it's by lifestyle that we will change this. But if you're going to help your patients change their lifestyle, you need to accompany them and be there along the way because it is tough for most people. It is extremely tough, and you come, well, I, I'll say, from being overweight and, and being successful in all areas of my life, except for health and weight. I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand why I could outwork anyone in business and life and friendships and whatever, but I couldn't do it there. And it just didn't make sense. And I just think there is such a sense of shame and a sense of 
um, confusion of just feeling not as good as other people, not as capable, uh, not as smart, you know, just broken. It, for me, at least, it kept me from really being able to find the answers I need to, to be able to reach health. Um, and, you know, every time I tried, you know, I kept on trying, but it's not like I expected it to work. Like I'm almost two years into this and I can't believe I'm still hot. Like I'm still very confused about all of it. I keep just thinking, oh, it'll, it's going to come back. I'm going to gain all the way back plus more like every other time before, but it's not. And it's, it's the first time ever. And I'm on, I'm 45 years old. I'm on zero medications daily. I have no health issues. Um, I, I, you know, I get mad when I get like an upper respiratory infection because I feel like now that I'm healthier, I should never get sick again. Apparently, it doesn't work that way. So that was very sad. Um, but I get them much less frequently than I used to, um, you know, like once a year instead of like six to seven or eight times a year. So that's a big improvement. Um, so like you have two kids and I want to hear a little bit about how low carb, you know, changed your own health and your own life, how you use that in your family. Uh, I find you pretty inspirational. The fact that you went back to change your life after you already had a successful career, you backpacked, you had two kids, you went to medical school and it, now it really sounds like you found, you found what you were looking for in life. Is that fair to say? Like you, you yeah. seem fulfilled. You seem like you found what your calling was and you're doing it. Is that true? That's totally true. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. That's incredible. You. So, okay. So tell me about your personal life. Tell me how old are your kids? Tell me how you're still staying so fit and, and doing all this while you're doing other these other things. Because I think when we all look at our lives, we're like, man, but I'm so busy and I have all these things. And then now I'm just kind of looking at you and I kind of feel a little slothful. And I'm like, <laughs> if you can do it, then I can certainly do it. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, I have two kids. One is a, a boy, a three-year-old. I call him my LCHF boy because um, I, I changed my diet while I was breastfeeding him. So um, he's a carnivore, like he loves meat and all that. And he's not uh, into like carbs all that much. And my daughter is um, five. She's uh, starting school in a few days. She, uh, I had her when I was uh, a resident and I was, uh, I had no idea about food or whatever. So we raised her on sugary yogurt, Yeah. at least five or six bottles of those every day and, and, you know, craft dinner, macaroni and cheese and all that terrible stuff. So she's my little sugar addict. <laughs> We've been in rehab since May 2016, but um, it's uh, she's a picky eater and she's really, really thin and tiny. Like she's almost six years old and she still wears like her shorts and underwear size two or size three, you know, three years old. She's tiny and delicate. She's beautiful and super smart, but because she's a picky eater and she's really tiny, Food is always an issue um, at every meal, you know, to make sure that she eats enough meat and that she, uh, she eats enough um, greens and a variety of food and that, you know, no, not too many carbs. Um, what I find really difficult as a mother is the amount of sugar that is pushed on our kids all the time. I feel my entire life I'm fending off sugar, attacking my kids from all sides. You know, at the daycare, they get a dessert. They get fruit for their snack. They get dessert at every after lunch. Uh, soccer practice, 
She's like five. She doesn't sweat. She doesn't run. She looks at butterflies, you know, the, yep. and then she gets a juice and she gets like a, a popsicle or a bag of cookies or something. And all the kids are getting it. So I can't be the mom that says, no, you can't have that. It's too full of sugar in front of everyone and make her feel miserable. Yep. And all the birthdays are just sugar orgies nowadays. Um, and they leave, they leave the, the party with a bag, like a huge bag. It's bigger than her face, a huge bag of candies that I hide and it disappears and gets destroyed. But still, you know, um, every um, Halloween, you know, uh, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, it's sugar, sugar, sugar all the time. And the grandparents, the loving grandparents, the well-meaning loving grandparents, they they show their love with food and, and sugary stuff. So whenever the grandparents come over, you know, like it's going to be another sugar orgy for a whole week yep. or something. My daughter's 12 and a half and she grew up with my bad eating habits and not understanding how sugar affects our health. And all, I mean, like I was definitely into that. And she watched me go through this, saw me lose weight, saw me get healthy and started making those decisions for herself. And then we helped her. And now she has thinned out and is healthier. And I'm just like amazed and so proud of her, but you're right. Every event, everything. And I've really struggled changing the lifestyle because like we go on vacations and vacations were vacations were about having ice cream every day and pizza at night and this. And, and when we don't do that, sometimes I get bored. Like sometimes I'm like, what the heck do I do? And like, there's only so much physical activity I'm really going to do. Like, let's be honest. I'm not going to like start skiing now that I'm not eating ice cream. I'm trying, man. But like just to go for a walk in the park is like where I'm kind of at fitness wise. And there's so much time when you're not celebrating with food all the time. It's a bizarre, bizarre new world. All right. We're out of time. I want to ask you a million more things. I'm going to make you do video with me in Spain. I've decided. Um, But tell us two more things. Number one, Tell us about your book, where people can get it, and why you did this book. Um, my book, here it is. Yes. <laughs> it just, just got translated into English. Um, I actually wrote it in, in French because in the province of Quebec, there was nothing, nothing in French. There is a book, there was at the time a book from France, but um, with like French recipe, French ingredients from France. And um, it, was, um, it was not quite what 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 I think patients were looking for. And so I, to every patient I used to prescribe, I still do, I prescribe the obesity code. And I think, you know, read that and come back to me and, and we'll chat if you're interested. That's what I do now. And sometimes people came back and said, well, I read it, but it was, you know, intense and a lot of science in there, but what do I do now? How do I get started? And I, and I felt, well, it's pretty obvious. You cut the carbs and you increase the fat. But I understand that, you know, Uh, when my mechanic talks to me about what's wrong with my car, like I go like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just do what, you know, and when my financial planner talks to me about finances, I I have the same feeling of, I know nothing about this. Can you just like walk me through step by step? Yes. So I understand that for some patients, you know, it's not obvious. They need to get the, the simple explanation and be, be walked through this. So I wrote this book, um, with, um, with a like I'm a co-author on this book and the idea was just to make it really really simple with basic information and lots of yummy recipes and the the good thing is like the first part of the book is all about explanation and the second part of the book 
it has colored pictures of every single recipe as its own colored picture of the recipe and they're all super yummy so i thought it was a good um a good get started book you know hands yeah. on you know where and can i get it where can i yeah. buy it it's on Amazon, and but it's not Amazon.com yet. It's on Amazon.ca. Unfortunately, I'll send you the link. I don't okay. know if you can still get it in the in the state. I'm trying to work with the uh, the publishers so that it's available everywhere. There's a million books on doing keto out there, but you know this one I find it has like all the basic information you need to get to understand what you're doing yeah. and then to apply it. And and um, Quebec is a really small market. We're like eight million people. And a bestseller is like 3,000 books or something sold because we're so small as a market. And as of today, we've sold 75,000 of that book. Wow. So oh my gosh. Congratulations. I'm talking with bestselling author, Dr. <laughs> Evelyn. You need to get her book, Eat Fat to Lose Weight. Yeah. That's Eat Fat to Lose Weight. If you're in Quebec, if you're in Canada, you can get it at Amazon.com. CA. That's CA, Costco. It's all over Costco Ooh, in Canada. Costco. It looks delicious. I'm going to get a copy. I'm going to tell you all about it. We're going to talk more about this at Low Carb Universe. If you want to see her speak, she will be at Low Carb Universe in November. And just one more thing, Dr. Evelyn, if people want to come and see you and if people want to follow you on social media, can you please tell them your, your website, your, your social media, all that so they can follow you and learn more? Yes, on Twitter, I'm cliniquereversa.com. Uh, it's probably best if um, I'll send you the link and you, you post it in the show notes. We absolutely and, will. Yeah, the website is the same. Um, in Quebec, the healthcare system is different, so it's not like anybody who wants to see me can. There's lots of rules in Quebec to make it all complicated. And I don't know, it's the French thing in us. We like complicated things. <laughs> So, but people can, can come to my low carb, um, intermittent fasting and ketogenic clinic, but, um, there are some fees for that. It's not covered by the government. My, my salary is covered by the government, but my whole entire multidisciplinary team, my kinesiologists, my nurses, my psychologists, all of those, uh, are paid through the fees that, uh, people pay if they enroll in the low carb clinic. So I can send you all the, that information. You can post it in the show notes, perhaps. Absolutely. We're going to post the link so you can find her, find her staff, find her practice, find her book. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Dr. Evelyn. I so appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. You got it. Guys, thanks so much for being here on Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. You can get all the tips you need on fasting, keto, low carb at fastinglane.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. And until next time, to your health and hotness.